I just want to keep singing that song. You have me. That's the, I think that's the alto part. But I, dude, I love that. Don't you just love that? I love songs that are just abandonment to his heart, just giving him everything. That's what worship really is. I think sometimes we like to define worship as, well, it's an act of me singing or lifting my hands. That's an expression of what the heart is doing, which is the heart is saying, I'm yours, God. I'm yours, and I'm totally surrendered to you. And I think as a church, those of you that have been here for some time know that we're just a, a church that loves to worship God. Amen? Yes. How many know that, that worship and prayer, that, that that act of just crying out and singing and worshiping and, and giving our hearts to the Lord, that's really what he, he's looking for. And as we worship, it, it prepares our heart for the word of the Lord. And it prepares our heart to hear what God is saying in our situation, saying to us, saying and speaking to our lives. Amen. Michael Zappia, it's good to see you, man. Good to see you. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. How many just sense his presence in this place? Come on. There's something about getting together with the saints and just worshiping. It's never a common place. We could, I mean, we do it for the rest of our lives. There's just an anticipation I have going to the house of the Lord. David had it. He says, I'm just looking forward to going to the house of the Lord. He says, I was glad. I was so blessed. I was joyful when they said, let's go to the, the house of God. And I'm, I, I'm just so anticipating. And I, I, this is just my heart. I want you to know that I, I never want to get to a place where I consider God's presence common. In other words, treat it as though, well, it's no big deal. You know, we can, we can just enter in and, you know, we can come into the presence of God. But man, what a blessing it is to be able to worship God. And here's why. Because in this moment right now, and, and as we get into the word this morning, there's some hearts here that are, that are missing that. There's some hearts here that don't know the refuge of his presence. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, about God being our refuge. And there, there's something that's so profound that, that when we understand that he can be our refuge, even in the midst of, of messed up circumstances... And we see it in the life of David. Those of you that know the story in 1 Samuel chapter 22, David is running from Saul. He's literally afraid of his life. Saul has already tried to kill him once because he's jealous of God's favor that is on David's life. And Saul threw a spear at him and he tried to plot against him and says, I'll let you marry my daughter as long as you fight against the Philistines thinking that David would die on the battlefield and David is running from Saul, running for his life, and he has no refuge. Have you ever been to a place, maybe you're here today, and maybe there's some people here that recently got born again, and you're finally finding that peace. You, you, you've been dealing with anxiety, depression, worry, fear, all that stuff that, that you know, hinders us from really having a place of refuge. And you could have a home, you could have a million-dollar home and all the money in the bank and still not have refuge. You know that? And I believe that, that we need to understand that this is so important. Ever since the garden, you know, God had fellowship with man. It was like they were missing the refuge of his presence, covered in his glory, covered in his presence. I think it's the goal of, of many Americans and many around the world just to have a house that, you know, when I retire, I just want a home. I want a refuge. And I want my retirement to either be able to pay my mortgage or, or I want, you know, no debt so that I can just have a refuge and a home and not worry about bills and I want a refuge. How many know that there's refuge in family? There's refuge in furniture. Who loves just picking out furniture because you want a cozy home? 
you think about our mentality and really what we're looking for and we don't realize it is a refuge. There's something about even going into a home that maybe, and, and we can all identify with this at times because we're, we're learning what it is to be a functional family. Amen? I think that we talk about like church and we say we're the family of God and then we think, well, my family's pretty Jerry Springer, so I don't even know what that means. I mean, many of you know what I'm talking about. We don't really learn how to function until we learn the love of the Father. And he teaches us how to be family. He teaches us to love each other. And that's what this story is about, where David doesn't have refuge. And David is looking for refuge. He he doesn't know where to go. He can't go to the house of the Lord. He can't go to his own home. He can't go to the palace. He can't talk to Nathan the prophet. He can't. he, He doesn't know where to go. And so in this story, we see him running. And, and he finds himself in front of a different king, and the king realizes who he is. And David pretends to act crazy to get out of there. And you see it in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 10 through 15. I'm not going to read it. But then in Psalm 34, I want to I just share my heart with you that in this story, David is just worshiping, and he says, I will praise you at all times. Your praise will continually abide in my mouth, and I'll cry out to you, and, and, and you deliver me from all my fears. And, and he starts worshiping God. How many have ever uh, left Sunday morning service, and you're just, you're just high in the spirit? And how many know there's no high like the most high? Come on. Some of you guys have been delivered from the worst of drugs, and you know that him, there's nothing like being high on the most high. Come on. Can I, can I hear a little shout right there? Because I know some of y'all don't want to act like it, but you used to mess with the counterfeit, but now you found the real deal. I got the right one, baby. Amen. And so I believe that, that there's, there's something found in this, in the psalm, that, you know, he's writing this as he is finding himself in no refuge, and he begins to sing and cry out. But he's, he's writing the psalm, and he's joyful, and he's praising the Lord. He had just ran into a man of God that gave him some of the showbread, which is the bread of presence. It represents, you know, he just partook of the presence of God. And then he finds he gets a sword because he needs a sword. And he ends up with Goliath's sword. I mean, he's like, there's no sword like that one. I want that one right there. It represents how believers go to church on a Sunday morning. They've got their Bible in their hand, and they're full of God's presence. And Sunday afternoon, it's so easy to praise the Lord, isn't it? It's so easy to just, you're high in the spirit and you're worshiping. Then Monday hits. Or you get home and you get in a fight with one of your family members or your wife or whatever and you, you feel like you don't have a refuge. Have you ever been there? And I feel like the Lord wants us to get this because we, we have to understand that God is our refuge. Somebody say amen. If we don't learn this, that there's no home, there's no furniture, there's nothing that we can do in life to get this, find this place of peace and rest in God. Jesus came to bring peace Jesus came. Literally, the gospel message is a message of peace and goodwill toward men. That is why, because it's releasing the atmosphere of heaven on earth. The atmosphere of heaven is perfect peace. And he has come to give us peace in the midst of the storm. You, you guys know the story how Jesus literally was sound asleep. How, I don't know how. I just believe because he just knew how faithful the Father is. And he had authority over the storm. And so David is fearing his life. He's running. And it's interesting to me. First Samuel 22, 1 Samuel 22.1, it says, David got away, escaped to the cave, and it was the cave of Adullam, which means refuge. So he escaped to the cave of Adullam, 
And when his brothers and others associated with his family heard he was there, they came down and joined with him. Thank God for family in the midst of times where we feel like we have no refuge. Now, David had just killed Goliath not too long before this. David was, was, had favor on his life, and now he's running for his life. And it says that, that in this verse we read um, that, that David ran to the cave of Adullam. You ever feel like you're in a cave? Anyone in this place? You just feel like you're in this place. Like, what can God, how can God be in this thing right here? I feel like as a church we're, we're at that place. I feel like that we're at this place and we're wondering, like, why am I here? It says that if we read 1 Samuel 22, all these hurting and broken and bitter people began to flock to David because they believed he was the one anointed to be king. And they were hurting and they were broken. And it says that God basically made, he was captain over all these people. There's about 400 of them. And there was a process in this cave, this place of refuge, this temporary place of refuge, where God, he forged them into community, taught them what community was. I feel like as a church that that's where we are right now. God's forging us. And the honeymoon is over. And we need to learn that it's in this place and in this moment that God is going to forge something within us to build character within us so that we can fulfill our destiny. David's hearing these praises of men, but he can't live by the praises of men. Bill Johnson says, if you live by the praises of men, you will die by their criticisms. If we live in the place where we're constantly wanting to be affirmed, which, by the way, is an attribute of someone that doesn't have refuge. Saul didn't have refuge. David, play on the heart because I'm being tormented right now. He didn't have refuge. And he wants to make an image of himself. He loves affirmation. He hears him singing about David and he gets jealous and he begins to hate them, even to the point where he begins to kill the priests of the Lord. Saul begins to kill the priests of the Lord. Talk about hatred, bitter envy. It's, it's the logical root to anger is murder. And there's so much hatred in his heart. Watch out for envy, saints. And watch out for bitter envy because it will destroy you. David's crying out to God while he's in the cave. And I want to read you the psalm. The honeymoon's over. You know, you look, you look at his life. He had just gotten married. How many here are married? Raise your hand. Do you remember your honeymoon? Over 12 years ago, I remember my wedding day. Everything was perfect. I remember my bride walking down the aisle. There was huge smiles on our face. How many were at our wedding? Raise your hand. You remember? You remember when I kissed her and you went, woo? Remember that part? <laughs> I remember thinking, wow, this is amazing. And then we go on our honeymoon. And, and it was beautiful, you know. I had Marvin Gaye on repeat, and the lights were dimmed. Anyways, let me, I'm getting distracted. We left town, and we're, we're on our honeymoon, and it's beautiful. And then we come back to Vegas, and I got to go back to work, and I'm living on my own. I have bills, and they're magnified. And I'm like, what the heck? And I'm living with someone for the first time that I didn't grow up with, and it's like two different, you know, two shall become one, two different lumps of clay, and God's forging them together. And some clay is harder than the other, you know, and God had to beat the clay down. And the first couple years, it was that process. I felt like I was in a cave and I didn't feel like I had refuge. You ever been there? You could have the most beautiful home, but you're not at peace. And God wants to become your refuge. And David's in this place. He's in the cave. The honeymoon's over. The glory's over. And he's like, what the heck? I thought I was anointed king. And he's in a cave. And then all the people that surround him are broken, battered. They're in debt. They have the spirit of poverty on them. And, and he didn't realize 
David didn't realize this is exactly where God wanted him so that they could forge the beginning of a new army, a new breed, a new kingdom. David's a type of, of Jesus. David's a type of the Messiah. And in Psalm 142, he says, I'll cry out to the Lord with my voice. This is the psalm he wrote in the cave. How many know that there's something about a song that comes out of a broken place that's just anointed? Come on. You know that the, the oil is, is what represents the anointing. And they got the oil from an olive. And you can't get the oil out of an olive unless it's crushed. That's where Jesus was when he gave everything. You say victory was run, won on the cross and the resurrection victory began in the garden of Gethsemane, which is the place of the crushing, the place where they broke the olives open, the place where the anointing comes from, where he said, yes, I'm going to do your will, God. He says, if it, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours be done. And he's singing from a broken place. He's singing. He's crying out. I've had the privilege of writing a, a, couple sponta- a couple songs from spontaneous moments where I was so broken, and they happen to be the songs that have the most heavy grace on them, where they begin to be sung, and the presence of God just fills the room because God loves a broken and a contrite heart. Read Psalm 51. But in Psalm 142, he's crying out, He's like, I want you to hear me, God. I'm, I'm desperate. I don't have a refuge. What am I doing in this cave right now? This is no fun. I know that, that many of you and some of you maybe are there right now in this very moment. It might even look real pretty on the outside. You got a white picket fence and everything. You could be, you know, Joe Christian toting your Bible and you even worship at the front sometimes. But inside you do not have peace and you don't have a refuge. God's here to give you peace. And look at what David does. He's crying out to the Lord. I'm complaining, God. He's like, this sucks. Well, you can't say that in church. I just did, and it felt good. Be honest with God. I need help, God. I know you didn't bring this on me. I know this is the result of of Saul, but you're going to use this for your glory. You're going to weave this somehow in your sovereign plan. You're going to weave this in. You're going to take what the devil meant for a curse and turn it into a blessing. When somebody gets taken out by drugs, get ready. A big harvest of drug dealers are going to come into the house of the Lord. Come on. God, I'm in a cave, and and I, I feel like I don't have refuge. What do I do? God, what do I do? Look what he says. He says, refuge has failed me. And in verse 4 of Psalm 142, when you get home, read it. Read it. And if you're in the cave, just read it and get it in your heart. Sing it. Declare it. And it says right here, I want us to focus on verse 5. I cried out to you, Lord, and said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Say, you are my refuge, and you are my portion in the land of the living. If you're sitting in the proverbial cave of Adullam, it's not a dead end. I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe everyone. I'm talking to myself. I, sometimes I got to preach myself out of a, a cave. Uh, you don't know what God can do in a cave. If you look all throughout Scripture, it, there's so much that he can do in a cave. In the least expected moments, I mean, from the very beginning to Genesis to Revelation, you know, you see where God takes nothing and, and just he turns it into something amazing, doesn't he? There's a story I heard by Bishop Kenneth Almer. He's the, the pastor of Faithful Central in Inglewood, California, one of Larry Titus's spiritual sons. Who uh, Larry Titus is my spiritual dad. Um, Kenneth Almer is 
one of the chancellors of, uh, he's the chancellor of Jack Hayford's Bible College in Southern California. And I heard him tell a story about a painting and, and a couple people are going through and they're looking at these paintings in an art gallery and he sees this painting of a, a chessboard and two people playing chess and one has kind of a, a discontented countenance and, and another one looks, you know, somewhat happy. And the, the caption says, checkmate. And, the, and they're looking at this and one of the guys that's looking at this painting happens to be a chess champion and he's looking at it and he says, something's not right here. And he's looking, he's looking at the board because he knows the game. He's a champion. He knows the game. So he has a different perspective on it. And so he's looking at the chess painting and he says, no, this isn't right. It shouldn't say checkmate here. I, I see something here. And he says something so profound. And I want you to get this. He says, the king has one more move. Because if you're in the proverbial cave of Adullam, the king has one more move. You're not backed into a corner. Sometimes I feel like that this whole life thing is a chess game. You ever feel like a pawn? (laughs) Come on. But the blessing in all of it is the king has one more move. The king has, say the king has one more move. Glory to God for that because what can happen in a cave, what God can forge in a cave, in a place where I feel like I have no refuge and he graciously, graciously provides for me a place of refuge. You're sitting in it right now. It's the presence of God. How many can sense his presence in here right now? The peace of God. There's nothing like being in, in that place of refuge. And you think about Elijah. What happened to Elijah in a cave running afraid? He heard God's voice and he learned something. You think about Daniel in the lion's den. Come on. Joseph in prison for many years, over a decade in prison. Peter about to be executed. An angel comes and delivers him. Think about the story of Paul and Silas in prison. They were beaten and they're sitting in prison. And at midnight, it's dark. They're probably just in a hole, literally in a hole. And they begin to worship God like David did earlier on. It just began to bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continue. And they're worshiping, and God opens the prison doors. What happens in a cave, God can get glory out of. God is so amazing. David in the cave of Adullam. And all these people start coming. He had to think, what the heck is going on? I'm anointed king. What is all this? These people are in debt. They're bitter, and they're, they're upset, and he finds his three mighty men, and what a great story. What an amazing story in the scripture here. But I want to tell you as I close that you can find encouragement in the cave, and I want to read a few portions of Psalm 57, which is kind of like the part where David wrote where he's saying, you know what, God, you're going you're gonna to turn this thing around. You're going to turn this around. His perspective changed a little bit. In Psalm 57, 1, here's number one. How do you find encouragement in a cave? You need to have a humble heart. And don't be mad at God because he didn't bring this messed up circumstance on you. Well, God is in control. Really? He's in charge. But saying he's in control is saying that he wills it all to happen. And that's not true. Not everything that happens is God's will. Some people make bad choices. There's a devil out there who's called the God of this world. Little G. 
And there's a sinful, depraved society that we all have. There's wickedness, and it results in destruction. If everything was God's will, then the model prayer that Jesus gave us would not have been, Father, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It, was, it would be, Father, thank you that everything that happens is your will. But that's not what it says. It says, Lord, your will be done. In other words, your will's not being done and that we are created and called to, bring, to not only do the will of the Father, but pray that God's will would be done in the earth. Amen. Humble heart, don't think that God brought this on you. It's the result of bitterness. It's the result of a messed up world. And David in Psalm 51, 7 says, be merciful to me. Oh God, be merciful to me. Something about crying out to God. We got to get prayer, just crying out to God. The second thing he did was he had a prayerful heart. In verse 2 of Psalm 57, I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. Can we say that together? Say, I will cry out to God most high to proclaim Oh, do you have it up here? My bad. I was going to read it to you and have you repeat after me. And you guys are, I'm like, whoa, you have that memorized. Praise the Lord. I don't even have that thing memorized. <laughs> Let's, read it. Let's read it together all together. Ready? Read. I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. This Friday night, 6.30, 7 o'clock, get here early and pray. We're going to have a prayer meeting the revolution is hosting right here. Our young people are having prayer meetings on their own. Come on, somebody. Are you thankful for our awesome youth pastors and our young people that are on fire? Come on. Young people, you stir your hearts up and be ready for that. David had a prayerful heart. Number one, encouragement in the cave. You need a humble heart. Number two, a prayerful heart. Cry out to God. One of the reasons it's so important you cannot effectively pray without humility because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Did you hear what I just said? You got to have a humble heart before you have a prayerful heart. Number three in closing, Psalm 57, in verse 5, 9, and 11, David shows this. Listen, listen, hear me. A heart of worship. You have me, Lord. You have me. You have all of my heart. Would you come, Doug? and begin to softly play. And I want the vocalist to come too, and I want to close with that song. He had a heart of worship. Listen to what he says in verses 5, 9, and 11. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. David understood worship. He understood how important it was. He knew in Psalm 22, 3, it says that God is enthroned on the praises of Israel. That when you just worship God, not to get him to do anything, you don't worship God so much for what he does or what he can do. You just worship him for who he is. And because he's exalted above blessing and praise itself. Nehemiah 9, worship. We don't, sometimes we worship worship because we think if I worship God, then he'll come and he'll change my situation. That's not why we worship God. We just worship God because he's amazing. Because we're so in love with him. No matter where I sit, I could be in a cave of not having refuge. I could feel like everyone is after me and spears are being thrown at me. And I'm surrounded by bitter people. I'm surrounded by people that are, that are a mess. Have you ever been there before? Come on. If you raise your hand, you just basically told everyone around you that they're a mess. Good job. No, I'm just kidding. 
Number three, how do you find encouragement in a cave? A heart of worship. Heart of worship. What does worship look like? It's not just lifting your hands and dancing. It's literally saying, God, here is my heart. It's yours. I'm telling you, we're raising a generation up. The church is waking up. We're sick and tired of just this monkey see, monkey do Christianity. Well, I just got to lift my hands, but we don't really know what we're doing. God, I'm giving you my heart. I'm abandoning everything for you. Not because what you're going to do for me. We, we acclimate to the world's culture that, well, if you give, then, you know, it'll be given to you. That's true, but we can't, we don't need to preach that. Hello? Well, if you love God, you know, he'll bless you with long life. Oh, then I better love God. How about because he's so amazing and so good that I can't help but to just give him my everything. No matter if I'm in a cave, come on, no matter where I am or what I'm going through, but I'm talking to some people right now and you're saying, I need refuge. Guess what? You gotta be like David and say, you're my refuge, Lord. You're my refuge, God. I want you to close your eyes and I want us to sing with a heart of worship. You have me. praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I'll sing to you among the nations. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. Come, Holy Spirit.
jealous for you. His heart burns. He wants your heart to be completely his. Not all the other stuff, not all the other lovers, not all the other people, even your own spouse. He's jealous for your heart. So, Lord, we give you our hearts this morning. In adoration, in reverence, and in honor to you, you're so amazing, God. Work it all out. You're faithful when we're faithless. We receive this place of peace, this, this refuge. We thank you. We thank you for freedom in Jesus' name. I want to quickly pray for a few of you. Keep your eyes closed. If there's anyone in this place that I've never, I've never given my heart to Jesus, we've got to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm just going to ask if you, if you just want to, maybe you're at the altar already. If you just want to give, I want to pray with you. If you want to give everything to Jesus, you want to live for him and no longer live for yourself. And you want to be forgiven of your sin and walk in the new life God has for you. Here's what I want you to do. Just quickly slip up your hands and say, pray for me, pastor. I need that. Bam. Hands going up all over the place. Those of you that are at the altar that raise your hand, stay right here. If you raise your hand, if you raise your hand, this is it. This is your moment. I want you, without hesitation, run to this altar. Come on. And begin to confess your sin to the Lord. To the Lord, not to me, to the Lord. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being angry. Lord, I'm sorry for, for sinning. I'm sorry for this. I'm so, come on, just be honest with God. And the Bible says that when you confess that he takes the blood of his son and he completely wipes away your sin oh my gosh wow never to be remembered against you the altar's full because people want refuge see it's not going to be found in just a family although God uses that and it's not going to be found in a beautiful home and nice furniture and a big screen TV we're looking for refuge and right now those of you that have come you're running to Jesus. He is our refuge.
close your eyes, close your eyes. Right where you are. Get ready, get ready. Here's what we're going to do. I need all my altar ministers and pastoral team right now. I need you to just lay your hand, gender specific, lay your hand on the shoulder of those that are at the altar and just begin to pray. Refuge, peace, the love of God, freedom. That's it, that's it. I need the pastoral team to come and just find those that are up here. Those of you that are at the altar, come forward a little bit more if you could. And just release. That's it. Just prophesy to them. Ask them what they came forward for if you'd like. And just let's just take about two or three minutes and let's just pray. God's doing some stuff right now, man. I'm telling you, it's it's profound. The Lord is just, he's just reaching in our hearts. He's just reaching in our hearts and he's just, just loving on us. you see so <laughs> love you man wow wow the goodness of God yeah that's it just pray just pray we speak a blessing over everyone that is up here right now the Lord bless you and keep you let his face shine upon you the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace that's it just pray just pray make sure everyone gets prayed for make sure everyone gets touched and blessed right now we love on you we embrace you sing it one more time you have me Sometimes we, we get into a place where the Lord is just like touching our hearts and, and then we move and, and we need to just stay where we are. It's like we're on the potter's wheel and we jump off. God's doing some things in our hearts. So those of you that are sitting and, and we want to dismiss you and bless you, but those of you that are up here, you can stay and we're going to sing this a few more times. Thank you for coming this morning. Um, we just want to bless you and please love someone before you go. But Lord, I speak a blessing over your people right now. And I thank you for what you're doing in their hearts. And so, Lord, I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be dismissed, church. We love you. God bless you.